0: to MILF Talk, Make Your Life Fabulous. I'm Sophie Venable, psychologist, life coach, mother of two, and author of MILF 101, Make Your Life Fabulous. Whether you're married with children, single, divorced, or all of the above, I'm talking to you about life, relationships, sex, and all that parenting we have to do along the way while we're figuring it all out. Today's topic is weed. Now that it's been legalized in many states for medical and or recreational use, the conversation with our kids is getting a little trickier. Last year, when asked if they had used marijuana in the last month, 6.5% of eighth graders said yes. Among 10th graders, 16.6% and among 12th graders, 21.2%. Close to 6% of those 12th graders reported daily use. And 81% of 12th graders said that the drug is easy to get. Among eighth graders, 37% said it was easy to get. So in my humble opinion, we need to be having this conversation. I think it's really important. Um, My guest today has joined me before. He's a handsome and well-educated man. I have to mention the good looks because it's equal opportunity objectification here at MILF Talk. Yes. <laughs> and it makes my job more fun. He is the Executive Director of Alternatives Behavioral Health and a lecturer at UCLA as well as Cal State Long Beach. He is an addiction expert, both personally and professionally experienced, and he is heavily involved in research and dedicated to exploring holistic treatment options. He's here today to help us talk to our kids about pot, weed, Marijuana, whatever you want to call it. And the changing legal and social landscape of it all. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome Dr. Adi Jaffe. We love it when you come by.
1: I love coming by. Thanks for having you me. Because you actually
0: know stuff. <laughs> so so pretty I soon, really well. well, you know, you fake it till you make it. Yep. Um, so pretty soon, uh, most of the generation of people that never smoke pot, and I say that with air quotes, they're They're dying. You know, so most of us were no, we're not going to believe a political candidate that says they didn't inhale or at least try it. Remember the Clinton days? Right. Remember that? I know that. God, that was fucking genius, man. (sighs) This generation of parents, we got a very different situation on our hands. Yes?
1: Yeah. No, I agree. And I, you know, I think we, uh, I totally agree that we need to have a conversation. I mean, growing up, my parents had zero conversation with me. It was somehow assumed that I was going to navigate the world, walk out there and either nobody was going to offer me drugs and alcohol or I was going to magically know what to do when that happened. And they you were, were,
0: wrong. Going- <laughs> yeah, exactly. they were You were just somehow going. They were just going to somehow wrong. say no because they wanted you to say no or you know, whatever. I mean, who we, even knows what we they so thought.
1: didn't have a conversation that I don't even know what my parents would have wanted me to do. I literally don't know because my mom drank. My dad never really drank throughout his life. But uh, my mom drank. I know they both, I mean, they were both in the 60s and 70s. That's where they grew up. So they
0: right. smoked so, weed
1: at some point. I know they did, but it was never mentioned. There was not never a single conversation. Until, like, interesting. Until they got a call from my attorney that I'd been arrested for selling drugs.
0: Oh, that's a good time to have a conversation. Yeah,
1: drugs were never discussed in When you're household. like
0: scouring the house for cash for the bailout. <laughs> yeah, Like, yeah. oh, you know, we really need to have a conversation with our kid about drugs. Yeah, that was the first Yeah. Time. That so okay. and that's too late parents. Yeah. Let's say, you know, my kids have asked some questions and I've had a conversation with them, age appropriate conversation, you know, let's say at like uh, you know, ten years old, 10, 11 years old or whatever, and now, you know, my one daughter's fifteen. So I bring it up again and she's like, I know, I know, I know, we already had this conversation, mm. right? So where do you go from there?
1: First of all, I think you started what to some people listening probably sounds like a really really early age right 10 11 mm-hmm. um, I think the nice thing about starting that early is all kids are anti-drug at that point so it's an easy conversation to Interesting. have because by the time you get to them at 14 15 or 16 some of their friends are experimenting and they're not even they might be on the fence or they might already be using so I think starting before use ever happens and you're right by 12, 13 is when people start experimenting. So starting before that is probably mm-hmm. a good idea, 10 or 11. That's why we do the surveys on drug use starting at 12 because we know that people start using them. So by having the conversation before that, you are assuring that the person you're having a conversation with is at that point anti-drugs. They hate smoking, they hate drinking, mm-hmm. they look at marijuana as something that they're this never going to This is a really good
0: with. point. This did not occur to me. I think this is just the most brilliant reason to have this conversation when they're 10 because- You're not fighting with them. You're not fighting with them. You're on the same side and you've now opened the conversation.
1: So now, so now they know that it's safe. There's something they can talk about. I joke around to all my kids. I teach at UCLA, as you mentioned, and I remind them that they used to all hate drugs and alcohol- I said you used to throw your parents cigarettes out the windows you tell mm-hmm. you tell them i i can't believe people use drugs that's the worst thing ever you know those people are dirty or whatever and look at you now something has changed in the middle and again that doesn't mean that the substances are bad it just means that we go through this massive transition from mm-hmm. the age of your about perception. 9 or 10 in our perception of them
0: and that's my that's my uh concern about the perception of of weed is that because it's being legalized right which which I'll just say it I'm for legalization. I just think that's like safer for most people concerned and it's silly to be throwing people in jail over weed. I agree. But um maybe their behavior on weed that's f- like I'm you know I, at least some people. I think I think I have a pretty realistic handle on this but my concern is that because it will be ubiquitous. I mean it already is practically. Yes. I mean my daughter actually one of them when I had had like another conversation with her she was 13 I think. She had already been offered some mystery candies. Mm. And so I'm having this conversation with her because I really want her to know about edibles because she's starting to go to parties and edibles freak me out because mm. I don't want my kid like paralyzed on the couch. I'm like you're not going to die, but you may not be able to move. So I need you to call me and I'm going to get you out of there.
1: Or you may wish you were going to die.
0: Or you may wish you're going to die. Yeah. So um you know, I had to I wanted to explain that to her because, you know, once they start going to parties, it's like, oh, my
1: God. So I think this is a great point to kind of bring up because even the notion of edible drugs versus smoking it versus drinking something, all those different conversations are things that kids don't come equipped with. And what I tell – and look, Mm. I run a treatment center. One of the biggest things that I struggle with half the time with people coming in is we all learned how to use substances. But because the conversation never happened with parents, I learned from 14-year-olds. 14-year-olds don't know shit about using drugs. They they have this sense. They're looking for an out-of-body, out-of-mind experience. Mm-hmm. And so they don't understand doses. They don't, none of that. I mean, nobody, no 14-year-old oh, kid know. knows what a dose of alcohol is.
0: Oh, my God. Can you imagine if, like, a 14-year-old ate an entire brownie from a dispensary? oh my god
1: oh my and god. their bodies are smaller so. I know
0: that's what so I'm thinking it's like and it's just like oh my god yeah. I'm just having empathy like <laughs> you know, like, no. like that's like the guy who called the 911 they called 911 is like I'm really, really 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 yeah the cop the cop who <laughs> called 911 I think I'm
1: dead yeah I'm dead right <laughs> now what What makes you think you're dead uh, because I'm not in my body I'm you dead know. and I was a cop I know right? so he's supposed to somehow know better but right <laughs> But I think these conversations, what's so smart about them is, look, I don't know why it is that we developed a society where we sort of imagine that these are things, sex and drugs are things that people are supposed to learn on their own. We don't learn math on our own. Like, we, didn't, <laughs> our kid didn't learn that two plus two equals We didn't four. ride a bike
0: on our own, right? Yeah. And,
1: you know, I have to walk behind my kid and, and balance them on the bike until eventually they can learn how to do it on their own. But somehow how to procreate mm-hmm. or how to consume substances you've never heard of before mm-hmm. in measured ways that won't affect you or kill you. Responsible ways, yeah. That somehow they're supposed to try on their own. It's. I think the thing, the only reason we assume that is because as parents, we are scared shitless of having the conversation. Mm-hmm. We don't want to talk to them about it. We don't know how to bring it up. Like, how do you bring up to your 10, 11-year-old kids sex? They don't know about it. We want to just be in the, in the dark and so we don't bring it up. And the same exact thing happens with drugs. I think most parents assume Wrongfully, by the way, that by not bringing the stuff up, their kids will be safe because they won't expose their kids to drugs. They and won't that's somehow make it
0: okay. Yeah, it's sort of like the abstinence-only teaching. Like if we tell you that condoms work, then that's going to make it okay.
1: Or if we tell right. you that sex before marriage is bad, then you just won't have sex. You just won't marriage. have sex, right? Yeah, that's that's how it actually happens. I never had sex until my marriage. I know, and you met my wife, so you know, I know. That that's true. Yes,
0: you're pious. I can tell. <laughs> Okay. So when we drink in front of our kids, I actually generally don't. But it's kind of funny because if I pour a glass of wine, my youngest daughter's like, oh, mommy's so funny when she has a glass of wine. Like it cracks me up. I'm like... I used to cringe when my mother would pour a glass really? of wine. Oh my god if I just see a bottle of that white right. gallo wine like I have a visceral yeah. response to that. But it's like almost an event if I'm actually going to pour myself a glass of wine okay. like on a night when I just have my kids. I just okay. don't drink in front of them. But they know that I drink on the weekends and okay. whatever. So, um, But I also know uh, having had a Midwestern dad and um, you know my, my boyfriend grew up in Michigan and he'll, like, he'll just have a beer while he's cooking dinner and whatever and and It's very normalized for his kids to, uh, and and they'll ask, can I try it? You know, and they they want to taste it and stuff yep. like that. You just go, okay, you don't make it a big deal. Yeah, I guess that's the right way to do it. You sort of talk to them about
1: it. Does so I, a- I think I think in general, just avoid hypocrisy is my is my big piece of okay. advice. Okay, I think so that's fair. I um, you know, I read this thing. The only good research that I've seen about how to have these conversations actually comes from smoking. Um, oh. There's and there's a little difference there because I think we we generally agree smoking cigarettes is not good for you, so it's not like it's not like anybody really goes around nowadays anyway and says you know, but I I use them at the end of the day and they, they go well with my steak and so right. when, when you <laughs> should smoke so yeah so there it's a slightly different conversation around alcohol but the research that I've seen suggests a couple of things first of all have the conversation that's important don't okay. just avoid it secondly. Have a realistic conversation that doesn't glorify the substance use, okay. but also doesn't hide it. If you're going to consume, because the worst thing to do is tell your kids cigarettes are really, really bad for you; they're going to kill you, and then go smoke one outside. Right? In the same way that saying sure. to your kids alcohol is dangerous; you should never do it. Um, you know, we'll talk about this when you're 21, and then you go drink. Right? Because the kids understand that that paradoxical conversation you're having with them, and they're going to go with. The walk, not the talk, like most of us right. do.
0: If my kid's, you know, at a party or whatever, and, you know, I know she's, you know, getting a ride home with another kid or whatever, I will I will literally now say to her, are you good? Because I'm going to have a glass of wine and I don't want to drive if you need me to come get you early. Like, is everything okay?
1: Well, I think the thing about that is a couple of things. First of all, you're letting her know that drinking and driving is bad. Right. Because you're you're making that statement that I don't want to drive if that happens, and secondly, again, we all look we all have different standings on, on alcohol. So I think trying to figure out what the right stance is for every person listening to this is is not going to work because some people just don't believe that drinking is okay at all. Other people believe that drinking three up to three glasses of wine on a night with dinner is okay. Mm-hmm. And others feel like the limit is one. So um, <laughs> so kind of yeah. where, you know, where you fall is your own thing. Obviously, if you have a history of alcoholism in your family, and especially a deep history, mm-hmm. it's a conversation you want to have, A, with yourself and B, with your kids about these are some things you need to kind of look out for because you know you don't want to end up on that far end of the spectrum. So how do you know? How do you measure whether you're going there or not? But other than that, just have an honest conversation, right? The other thing that is- So the
0: key is really in the no hypocrisy, yeah. like try to be as transparent as possible,
1: yeah.
0: right? But with like with weed, does that mean you like, you know, have a little toke at night in front of your kids? Like, no, ah, so actually, that's the part that freaks me out no, with all so, of this.
1: So I, I would actually say no. Um, okay. what, I, what I would say though is don't say to your kid, you know, weed is bad. I've never used it and I'm never going to because it's the worst drug ever on the face of the earth if you smoke weed. Because the problem right. is, what happens if and when they find out? Now it All of your credibility
0: is out everything. the door.
1: But at the same time, and this is, I think, again, a very important conversation and why it's important to start this early, 10, 11, instead of later on when you're fighting them on this, we know that drinking and using really all drugs while the brain is developing, so I'm talking up to like the early 20s, mm-hmm. is not the best idea. And the earlier you start, the worse off you are. And there's more than enough research. Nobody needs to do any more research on the fact that delaying the onset, delaying the beginning of drug use is good for Is
0: people. a good idea. So Okay, so there's no argument there. Period. End. It's better to wait.
1: There is so much <laughs> research showing that kids who start earlier have far, far more problems with income graduating from school, obviously drug and alcohol use, Mm -hmm. mental health issues, oh, I mean, so many different things. So to be able to say to your kids, look, I know there's pressure, let's have this conversation earlier rather than later. You've got this brain, and this is gonna be the thing that's gonna get you through the rest of your life. Right now, part of your job is defending that to the best of your ability, and the earlier you start trying and experimenting with these things, the more you interfere with its regular development. Is it gonna kill you? Probably not, but at the same time, you know, Don't you want to kind of move forward? Is it it going to
0: take away your advantages in the world? It's going
1: to take away some. Mm -hmm. And you don't know which ones. You don't get to have control over that. So when you put these chemicals into your body, they alter the neurochemical environment of your brain. And they're going to change the way your brain develops. And so to have this really honest conversation about it's not that alcohol is something you have to stay away from for the rest of your life. But know that the earlier you start, the more you put yourself at risk. The same thing with marijuana. The same thing with every other drug. And, And if you start early... You're building this respect conversation with them, right? Where mm-hmm. it's not about you're a bad person if you try substances, because it's all around them. They see friends that they love and are really good people trying it. So bad people doing drugs—that that doesn't really. Yeah, that doesn't for them. fly
0: anymore. I don't think. I just don't think that. Fl-
1: I don't think works. it ever flew.
0: <laughs> no, probably not.
1: Because the kids were experimenting, so they see their other friends who are really good or cool people, or whatever. But to have the conversation of. This is about respect for your body and your brain, mm-hmm. and so
0: like nutrition,
1: right? Exactly. Yeah. And so to you know, I think that's a that's a really great point to have a more holistic kind of conversation. Is you're developing right now, right? We know that for boys, let's say you're talking about early to mid twenties uh, development, and for girls, normally by the you know really late teens, early twenties, is when their brain matures fully. Having that honest conversation with them, so that they understand part of that responsibility. Nobody here, I think, is suggesting that that will stop them from experimenting with substances if they were going to, but it might reduce the amount of experimentation they do, and again, it might delay it. A one, two-year delay in the beginning is makes all the difference.
0: So if your kid says, well, I've only tried it once, okay, do you say, who'd you get it from, or do you just go down the path of... Well, that's interesting. What made you decide not to do it again? Or, you know, how'd you like it? Do you talk to them about the experience? I would probably
1: talk to them. Again, you know, I'm, I I know there are people listening and I'm, I'm in a safe position right now. I've got a three and a five-year-old, so I don't have to deal with this right now. I'll be back in eight years and we'll talk about this again. (laughs) Um, But, but I would probably err on the side of having a conversation with them about their experience. And, you know, again, this is my this is what I make a living doing, so I have a lot of information to kinda of go along with sure. that. And sort of feed them some information along with that conversation. Mm-hmm. But again, if you're smart like you are and you start the conversation when they're ten or eleven, then by the time they get to thirteen fourteen and somebody offers it to them, they already have some information. Versus me, I Right. Uh, maybe right. we can talk about my first experience. I was not expecting it at all, either for alcohol or for uh, for marijuana, by the way. Um, for alco- for marijuana, let's say, because we're talking about that, I joined some friends late at night where there was this anybody on the East Coast, Perkins, there's kind of like those all-night diners. Um, <laughs> we had gone out there, we were hanging out drinking coffee and eating crappy food. And then everybody went outside, sat around in a circle, and somebody rolled up a joint, and at some point somebody handed it to me. Everybody knows peer pressure, and. I wasn't going to say no to this new group of friends that I just made in this mm-hmm. new high school I had moved to. So I smoked it. I didn't even really know what I was smoking, to be perfectly honest. Right. Could have been. Nobody had yeah. talked to me about weed before. But somebody handed me a thing to smoke. I hated it. my mom smoked. If, you know, it wasn't, it's almost like I, f- I gave up control in that moment of mm-hmm. the rest of my life. Because, Easy to do. Because all these cool kids were handing it to me and I was going to mm-hmm. do it. So if somebody would have had a conversation with me, at least I'd be informed in that moment. And Honestly, I don't think anything would have changed if I would have just said, no, I'm good, thank you, and passed it. Right, right. Nothing, but in that moment, I'd never, nobody had ever talked to me about it If somebody
0: had said, yeah, it'll probably just make you, it makes you really sleepy. Right. You know, you might have been like, no, dude, I'm not in the mood for that. Yeah, or maybe Like, or whatever, you know? Like, you could have made a choice. You can't make a choice- if, you, if you're not informed.
1: Yeah, I mean, it's what I tell, obviously the people that I normally see nowadays are people who have developed drug problems, but what I say is awareness is the first step to any of this. I mean, if unless you know what is happening, you don't know what to do about it. So having awareness about, hey, if somebody hands you this thing that's rolled up in a cigarette, now mm-hmm. it's a vape pen or something,
0: Oh yeah, ask God. what's
1: in it. Or if somebody gives you a frickin' cookie at a party, Make sure that you know what's in the cookie because now kids have to deal with stuff I did not have to deal oh with. Oh
0: my God, I know. And you and you can't even taste it in a no. lot of those things. And like I said, my daughter had already been offered and she's like, mom, I don't know if they were kidding. I don't know what it was, but like they basically offered her these little apple candies, hard candies or whatever. Well, those are edibles. Sure. Just if anybody out there is wondering, edibles can look like anything, anything. from cake, Rice Krispie treats, cookies, brownies, Little like Tootsie Roll things, hard candies, soft candies, caramels, candy bars, chocolate. I mean, it, it, oh, uh, spaghetti sauce, butter, um, (laughs) um, peanut butter, anything. I mean, anything.
1: Look, I mean, nowadays THC is concentrated into an oil. Right. So it can be put
0: into Anything. anything. And so it's an important conversation to have if for no other reason that in the same way you don't want your, you know, your girl or boy plastered, drunk at a party, and out of control, and not able to protect themselves. You don't. You don't want to be the one on the couch that's just you know laid out flat and having a horrible high, and you can't move your body, and you can't. Sure. You're, you don't have any control. So I think it's important, if for no other reason, if for no other reason, but edibles to have this conversation with your kids about like, look, if you ever ingest anything at a part, because see, it's different than smoking. Okay. They can, you can even let them off the hook and say like, if you ate something and you didn't realize what was in it and you suddenly feel like, really altered and you feel like you just need to lay down and you can't move, call me. I will pick you up. No questions. Yeah. Because it because that can happen so it happens to grown ups. It happened oh, oh. it, it happened to you. Yeah, yeah, it did, it did. <laughs> he I, was just telling me it happened like out
1: a I, job. I, I did. I, I, I literally mistakenly dosed. And uh, and you know you would think I would know better at, at these clients' houses to sort of ask what every single thing is, but you know, um I okay. didn't. A cookie and,
0: on the counter does yeah. not seem like how
1: it would be I love presented. Chip now they're ruined forever.
0: <laughs> now they're ruined. Chocolate yeah, so it would be very, very easy for for somebody at a party to to accidentally ingest something. And, and the
1: problem, by the way, for those who don't know and are listening, you know, so when you smoke anything, you get it to hit very, very quickly at very, very small doses because really it's the amount of oxygen and smoke, let's say, that interacts with your lungs Mm -hmm. that you can absorb. And as soon as you exhale, it's over. So you're talking about a couple of seconds of exposure and it's done and you get small doses that affect you quickly. So you can dose yourself a little bit better, Mm -hmm. not a little bit, a lot better. Mm -hmm. When you eat, the problem is your liver has to process this stuff. And so as it's breaking down the THC, if you eat it at a high dose, you essentially almost kind of like poison yourself by having high doses of THC running through your blood as your liver is trying to clear it over and over and over. So you can get doses that you just cannot get from smoking. Ugh. You can get levels of THC in your blood that are essentially virtually impossible to get from smoking. And, and, and it and takes an hour and a half to hit. So the, the problem, and I tell my students this all the time, is most kids, especially who've never done this or have never had this conversation, will eat some. And then 45 minutes later, an hour later, say, well, I'm not feeling any of this. Let me take some more. And then maybe they'll smoke some on top of it. And when it all hits, all hell breaks loose. I, I feel like this has affected you personally. So
0: no, it's just, yeah, it's just, well, you know, I, I, almost every adult I talk to has that story. Has that story, it's like, oh, and I thought it wasn't working. So I took some more. And then as soon as I like even swallowed it, boom, I was like way too high. And then I was high for 12 hours. I woke up high the next day, like the whole thing. I mean, it's almost like everybody has one of those stories. The thing that worries me about teenagers is that there is just such easy access to this. All they need is like, you know, an older sibling or anybody who has a card and that's bringing home bunches of edibles and they're cheap. They're like, I mean, this is not difficult to get. But
1: I'm even saying by so, mistake. You no, know, but that's what
0: I'm saying. So they have so they have access to yeah. them, and they can and and literally people will be just like, hey, you want you want a fun cookie? And what? you're like, okay, blah, blah. oh fun, co- oh fun <laughs> cookie, yeah. you know, like you didn't even realize. So we talked about
1: this right before we went on air, but I didn't realize it when i did this by mistake it only dawned on me the next morning because you know i was stoned out of my mind uh and i don't smoke i don't touch weed so <laughs> i have zero tolerance and um what i realized later is if you realize that you just did this go to the bathroom and throw up i mean it's the easiest way to get rid of this from your body if if you realize it right away two right. hours later not going to help you all that much but but yeah, if but you eat
0: a hard candy that's not really gonna
1: yeah. You know, I mean, I, mean, I it, guess I guess it could help. It like could in try. Your, it sits in your stomach and it absorbs through your stomach lining oh, and then God. eventually it goes through <laughs> your GI tract. So if you get rid of it sooner yeah. rather than later.
0: But then you would have you'd have to know. You'd have to start yeah. realizing that before you got before you got high. So yeah. we should wrap this up but um really the
1: the takeaways.
0: The takeaway is Talk to your kids. Have the conversation. Um, learn what you can so that yeah. you know what you're talking about. Right when yep. you're when you're talking. Because to by them. the way,
1: most people listening to this, you have no idea what kids have access to nowadays, unless you are a regular smoker yourself. You've got to yeah, study this. and, up and, on and this.
0: I know they've got they've got access to all kinds of things. And we there's uh, you can check out one of our earlier podcasts on that. I think yep. we talked about access, and try not to be a hypocrite right i
1: think i think that's uh, a transparent, general good rule general. in
0: general <laughs> yeah i think well i do think people i think they're protecting their kids by because the logic is okay you smoke pot and here now you have this nice house and car and you're fine sure. and so they think that if they give that message that the kids going to be like i'm just going to go do a bunch of bong loads every day and i really think that ultimately it comes down to what you said which is Let's talk about self-care. Let's talk about valuing your brain, valuing your life, valuing your future, yeah. right? And just on every level, whether it's you know nutrition or drugs or anything, like giving yourself the best shot, yeah. right? Like, no, it's not. It's not. We all know it's not going to kill you to have a glass of wine, right? Okay, but let's talk about the responsibility in having a glass of wine, yep. right? And um, I do think that kids have when they are you know brought up with some loving boundaries and all of those things and they have some self-worth they they don't want to make stupid decisions
1: yeah no i, I agree as again as long as they have the knowledge right as long yeah. as they really know what choices to make
0: exactly and you have to you have to be informed to be able to make choices, it's like informed consent, right?
1: Yeah, yeah no, I mean, and, and so respect your kids a little bit by, again, having the conversation yeah. started earlier than you would want to. Be honest, but don't glorify the drug use. I mean, you, you can't right. expect if you sit down with your kids and tell them, oh my god, you you," I could tell you stories for days and days about all my weed No, 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 that's, no that's let's not do that's that. That's a bad <laughs> idea. Um, and, then, and then be the person they can actually come to mm-hmm. and not shame them and not sort of wag the finger at them if they had a bad experience or they did something quote unquote wrong and they want to come to you, be supportive.
0: Yeah. Help them, help them look at how they could do it differently next time or why they want to do it differently next time. You get them thinking about it for themselves. So, so thank you for, uh, for having this discussion with us. How do we find you? What would you like us to find?
1: Um, Twitter or Instagram or all those kinds of things. L a doc J D O C J. Um, and addiction alternatives at the treatment center, Other than that, I don't know. I'm not giving my cell phone number. Damn
0: it. Okay. (laughs) You can like Sophie Venable on Facebook. Please do. Or tweet me at Sophie underscore Venable. My book, MILF 101, is available in paperback or in Kindle. iBooks and Nook, too. Um, You can follow me on Instagram now at Make Your Life Fabulous. And thank you, Adi, so much for being here. And thank you all for listening. This is Sophie Venable reminding you that you don't have to make your life perfect. Just go make it fabulous.